Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a broadcast from the Global Authority in Mixed Martial Arts. The Shootout Radio Network. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Sign up with BetOnline.ag today and score a 50% bonus to use on this week's loaded betting board. Simply use promo code SHIRDOG and up to $2,500 worth of sportsbook bonuses will be added to your bankroll instantly. In addition to the biggest bonus around, BetOnline posts the most odds on every major sport. You will never miss an opportunity to get in on the action at BetOnline. Once again, that's promo code SHIRDOG to score a 50% bonus. Sign up at betonline.ag today because you can. Once again, Jordan Green Show, your boy, Zane from Philly, with my man Otis Smith. Laying down the tracks, I'm the champ, your amateurs like C Clan Shooto. It's the Jordan Green Show. Shut up and listen. Choke another host straight in the submission. Them up like Muslim women, flooding the phone lines, calling the Mounties for killer airwaves, cross national boundaries. Here's the anthem, and don't it sound ominous? On the rampage, like Jackson slamming them with dominance. Keep me out of distance, cause your girl gon' feel me. Tell us in flakes to my space, fade money, Philly. I hit it back, yo. If I'm feeling up, and you'll become obscure like Danny LaFever. Oda Smith captures the vibe that I record to have TJ head bobber right behind the boards. Ask Nasi from Ottawa, who's hotter? Bottom dollar, he gonna say nada. So calm down, chumps, don't get too hype. Throw a slice to your windpipe, straight get Skype. Hello? You know we get rowdy up in Philadelphia County. Let your brain tissue absorb it like bounty. Jordan Green paid money, educating, regulating. Superior minds find the reasons for debating. To keep your guard up and tuck in your chin, you little Flintstone kids better take your vitamins. and regulating. It's Jordan Breen on the SureDog Radio Network. Welcome to Jordan Breen Show, the MMA radio show here on the SureDog Radio Network that would like to congratulate the Association of Boxing Commissions on approving four new weight classes that very few states are likely to adopt, and even then, only the most fringe of promoters would use. Progress! Happy Wednesday, or whatever day you're listening on podcast. I'm your obviously glib and terrible host, Jordan Breen, and along with me today, behind the ones and twos... One of the great father-son teams ever from the great state of Minnesota. The modern Vern and Greg Gagne, if you will. It's TJ and Oliver DeSantis. What is up, my dynamic duo? Oh, he's over this thing already. He oh, just, really? He just wants to go outside and play. And I'm like, Oliver, 90 more minutes of this. And I don't think he can wrap his head around it. 
Man, I, I did I did enjoy you subjecting him to a green jello as a form of nursery rhyme. So that came up on Spotify one time. Yeah. Like not solicited. I didn't yeah. put it there. I don't know how it came up there. I think it was honestly a mistake because we were listening to Kids Bop. And what I think is like you can make a user submitted playlist and then mm. you just say, hey, play kids music or whatever. Um I think someone did it as kind of a troll job, and now that's all he wants to listen to. Well, it's a great, it's a great, great song. Green Jello or Mount Underrated. But if we're going to talk Green Jello, TJ, has your song Oliver heard I Want to Be a Hulkamaniac? Oh, no. <laughs> he absolutely has not, but I can, ha- I, get, I can get it for you in a second. Well, grab that microphone. You can, you can talk a little bit to Jordan if you want. Hi, Jordan. Hello, Oliver. What's up, buddy? Why only oh why why only all right? Yeah. Why not awesome? Because I just don't know how to be awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you don't have great role models in your life. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. What? Are you just a joker? Uh, I'm just being a joke. There you go. Thank you for your radio appearance, Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing Ladies so gentlemen. great. Ladies and gentlemen, Oliver DeSantis here on the Sure Dog Radio Network. Apart from the fact that uh, with the Rise and Grand Prix this weekend, even though he's not fighting, we may have to teach TJ's kid about Baruta Huvelson later on in the show. See how he feels about MMA's premier Estonian sumo turned Judica, or excuse me, sumo turned MMA fighter. Anytime I say sumo, I'm inclined to bring up Emmanuel Yarbrough having sumo and judo. Oh yeah, there's the green jello we need. I just want to have fun with my family and friends. It's funny because this is a better song than American Made. Oh yeah, this is also better than anything uh, Randy Savage rapped. Positive tests. I wanted to say I wanted to say it, but I couldn't get it out fast enough. The line at the end should have been "and bankrupt Gawker if you can." Ah, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. It would have been better if I could have yelled it over Terry Golden, but I couldn't get it out of my my stupid face fast enough. gonna snitch on me and Vince don't go to prison we're gonna put Zahorian away yeah that's pretty good thank you I uh, I think you should definitely update it <laughs> well, just think if I was writing well, this was written like 30 years ago no I mean like I know it was like written 30 years ago what I'm saying is um, I guess it's not it can't be that long it's like oh 20. yeah no just, no like, it was definitely in the 80s Oh, oh, the actual. I, like, I thought, I thought you meant like the Hulkamaniac tracks when he's in like WCW in '93. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. So that's like what? Still like twenty, going on twenty-five years. Pretty 24. close, yeah. It's horrifying. Ah, <sighs> it's true. Anyway, 
I was on. just listening. I was just listening to Terry there. Oh, for let a me second. let me turn it up then. Now I don't have any more Terry. Not that I mind the hook. I wonder who like got like writing credits on this. Like, where are the background singers? Are, are they getting a like a, a royalty ASCAP fee every time this spins? Well, I, was, I assume the dudes from Green Jello and probably whatever, sam- like may- maybe it's not a sample. I always assume there's like an 80 sample sped up in it, but like maybe it's all Green Jello. Go, uh, go be a hotshot producer and look up the uh, look up the old credits for Green Jello's. I want to be a Hulkamaniac. Oh, today I need to be part time producer and like part time father because Oliver's now underneath a table where there are the wires. Tables are cool. Being yeah. under tables is dope. Yeah, but I assembled this table from Ikea like three years ago, so it's due to collapse. <laughs> well, uh, have faith in Swedish engineering. Oh, I have faith in Swedish engineering. I don't have faith in fat, pasty Americans following directions. <laughs> so I got directions for you to follow. 844 Sure Dog's the number. 844 743 7364. It's 844 743 7364. UFC 214, the best MMA card we've seen this year, other than KSW Coliseum, of course, uh, is upon us. John Jones, Dan Cormier, knock on wood, fingers crossed. In just a matter of days. No shortage of things to talk about. Rising immediately following that. We even got a professional fight league card. What's How the na- fantastic. What, what's the name of the promotion? Which? What? You said there's a professional fight fighters league card? What's the name yeah. of the promotion? Piffle. Oh, okay. Cool. Because it can't be like I can't be professional fighters league. I mean, that's just too generic. It's kind of like <laughs> guess jeans. What's the name? Guess. I don't know. Lee Dungarees. No. Why are you trying to? Why are you trying to hurt Greg Savage's feelings? He didn't choose the name personally. Oh, because my ripping of Greg Savage would <laughs> is a million times nicer uh, of what his former incarnation would say about this on on the show. Professional network. Professional Fighters League is a good name because it tells you about the product. What is it? It's a league for for professional fighters. Okay. So what are they fighting? They're fighting other professional fighters in a league. For millions of dollars. So when I say professional fighters, you say... I say fight league. So it's professional fight fighters league. fight league? <laughs> what? I mean... No, so, when, when, you say, when you say professional, I say fight league. Fight league. I or fighters league. Fighters, fighters league. league. Now, it is, is fighters league. So is but there, I, was, I was using the IFL joke. My question... I know. Is, my question is, is, is there an apostrophe in fighters? Is it like a possessive league? Or is it a no, they don't, they don't own it. That would be they'd have like a union and have stake in don't it. Don't say that word. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Uh, 844-SHIRDOG is the number. 844-743-7364. At Jordan Breen on Twitter. J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-E-N. And you can email me. jbreen at shirdog.com. As I was getting at, no shortage of things to talk about. Although of all the weeks, of all the, the weeks where I really got to mind my P's and Q's and not be vulgar, and uh, put Abraham Lincoln's in the jar with your son around. Uh, it's, it's a particularly vulgar week. We got Mayweather McGregor stuff. We got Jones Cormier stuff. We got whatever Wyman and Bisping. By the way, Michael Bisping crossed the line saying that, that Charlie Wyman needs to be put on a leash. <laughs> I thought that was, the, uh, that, was the, that was, he didn't even curse or swear or use any kind of epithet. And I found that to be the most offensive part of well, the, I just want the him, Weidman Michael Bisping exchange. I just want Mr. Weidman to be forced to purchase a license to enter the octagon. <laughs> I mean, well, does, does, does he does he is he ever in the corner? Does he have a cornerman's license? No, but I mean you're not really supposed to walk through that door unless you're on the production team or you have a license to be there. So that 
that is still his boy. So is he going into the octagon to retrieve his boy? Is that what he's doing? He's, just, he's there to just be the hype man. He's the hypest man. <laughs> hey, have you heard Oliver tell you about his favorite fighter yet? No. Uh, Oliver, grab that microphone happen? quick. Grab the microphone quick. Jordan wants to ask you a question. Or come over here quick. He's, 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 he's so animated about wanting to leave this room right now. Hey, come here and tell me who your favorite fighter is. Hang on. Come here. Come here. You hurt yourself? This is great. Awesome. <laughs> Will the cops get here before the 90 minutes is over and get me for neglect? That's the question. Are you going to come over well, here and tell Jordan who your favorite fighter is? Uh, apparently, I need to tend to him. Well, sweet. In that case, I can take Chris from Denver. Line one, it's Chris from Denver. Chris, what's up? Hey, it's it's, it's kind of odd that there's like people waiting on hold to get in on this call, and yet Oliver's there, just you know, can't wait to leave. <laughs> and yet, and yet, because he's a child and because it's entertaining, we want to force him to to dance for us like a monkey. Yeah, good times, good times. But is, is there anything more Chris wide than? Then bringing in his entire family into the octagon after having out-wrestled a welterweight. <laughs> in fairness, he did put on a good performance. We had to come back from basically being knocked out at the end of the first round. He got to do it in front of the Long Island crowd. It's exactly the kind of thing. Also, it's on Fox. If you're the production crew, you should want them there. You put them cage-side for a reason. Well, I, I mean, I'm assuming you put them cage side, you know, so that it, when, when Kelvin Gastelum hurts, then you could just cut to them and just see the forlorn. Whatever. I'd rather, I'd rather have goofy dads all day than uh, KJ Noon's dad just throwing hands on the Diaz brothers and the rest of the Caesar Gracie crew. I'd rather have that than, than like, uh, Angel Garcia. You need to get, like, Floyd Sr., that's 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 the kind of that's the kind of dad you need, or or what what you really need is you really need Mark Northcott. <laughs> uh, I mean, in fairness, Sage is in these Metro PCS commercials every time I turn around now. Isn't that, isn't that like weird? That, you know, you have the UFC on Fox, you have live sports on network television, and yet they still can't find better advertisers than Burner. Well, you gotta you gotta know your potential audience, I guess. Um, although I do like like a, co a a company like Metro PCS, as we've seen, is gonna obviously um, kind of give some kind of like flexibility and leeway to like who and what the UFC want to push and how they want their their stars to come across, which is great. Because that devil may care or who gives a damn attitude results in things like, as I described on Beat the After the Bell, the positively surreal Demetrius Johnson Sage Northcut Metro PCS commercial. Or like Ronda Rousey pretending she could act. Ronda, <laughs> Ronda Rousey's <laughs> Metro PCS oeuvre is the best. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest of all time. Um, it's, it is Alaska, up there. I'm prettier. Uh, I think eventually. Have... Go ahead. And then, then you have like Rhonda, like, uh, are you sure about that? Just like can't can't even play herself <laughs> convincingly. Oh, Chris, man. do you have a, do you Rhonda. have an all time do you have an all time favorite first or second generation Zions commercial? Like, do you do you prefer oh. like the the first classic Chuck Liddell running with just like a massive ab gut? 
with a, a heavy bag in like the sands of the desert, and then it ends and there's like explosions, I think, and it ends with the iconic "Tell them the Iceman sent you." Or are you a fan of the iconic Matthews Country Breakfast? Or I think some of the more underrated Zion's ads. The one where there's like a dozen UFC fighters in a circle and they're all telling really bizarre confessional stories about themselves. It's like this very throwback Gen X, oh, this is actually a commercial on a brand about nothing, buy our jeans, kind of advertising you got in the late 90s. And it's positively surreal. They, they featured David Loazzo freaking out in animated French while no one under, understands him. And the best, I think, maybe the best MMA-related commercial ever, Tim Sylvia telling a bizarre anecdote about how he likes origami and makes little paper cranes while holding a very, very tiny paper crane between his fingers. Tim Sylvia's acting. <laughs> it appears as though he was, like, method acting, but instead of, like method acting watching Sadako and the Thousand Paper Cranes or reading the book. He he watched Vincent D'Onofrio's Private Pile and Full Metal Jacket. He, like, Tim Sylvia seems positively deranged while hawking bootleg muscle milk and protein powder for a shell company owned by a former, well, I guess still high school friend of the Fertitta brothers, the magic drink Zions, this complete scam. <laughs> and there's Tim Sylvia, given the acting performance of a lifetime about origami to hack the, Oh, but drink, make sure you drink your crayon Raz Zions energy drink. Positively insane. Oh man, that's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's hard to oppose anything Matt Hughes. Country uh, breakfast, I think is the, yeah, Country but, Breakfast um, is the sentimental favorite. Yeah, well, like, I mean, you'd you think, like, if they're going to have a Tim Sylvia confessional, you'd think you'd get something better than Origami. I mean, can you imagine if they had, if they did, like, a remix of that commercial with Modern Fighters? <laughs> well, the thing is, they gave them these bizarre things that didn't correspond to their personality, but yet were obviously still kind of did. Like, Loazzo was speaking French, which he actually is speaking, but he's just really ranting incoherently for the most part, and he's being made fun of. But it's 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 supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. Tim Sylvia, if Tim Sylvia can uh, fold a paper crane, I will I will eat my hat. I will I will eat all of the hats. Keeping it, keeping oh, it very PG today. You'll, 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 you'll eat a pair of uh, fight-worn Tim Sylvia draws. Oh, I'll wear the. I'll I'll eat the very same ones from the Asuario Silva fight. I'll be fearless. Yeah, well, because I mean, you think like if Tim Sylvia is confessing something, that would be it. Yeah, like there's no way on earth this man, if he can, if he can, if he can make the cube or the the, I can make the crane and the cube. I can do both the crane and the cube. I I learned things in in elementary school. I was a smart cookie, and that's why I know two origami things. Tim Sylvia knows zero. I'll bet my life on it. So if we did ones today, they would be, like, incredibly strange. I just want to know what sages would be. Because the thing is, you can't get too far off the beaten path because it would be, like, like probably, like, too weird and offensive. You don't want to, like, do anything that would offend uh, J. Christ or anything. 
Well, his his would be like he's read a Maxim magazine. <laughs> See, but even that's like, too... He'd have to like post production like Mark Northcutt running in there to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't. Hey, we Chris, you owe me five dollars. <laughs> oh, we, we... I'll, I'll get that too. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you buy, Chris? Or what else is on uh, your mind? Well, I should say. Well, well, no. Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, a little bit on this. Like, how many, how, like, how many commercials could you get with just John Jones, who's, who's fighting this weekend? And and on that John Jones tip, like, how much? Like, I, I gotta think that if his head's right, he he takes this easily. You know, the only reason, the only way I think he could lose to DC is if he's rusty, or if his head's not in the right place. I mean, as much as people criticize his performance against OSP, he still won that fight fifty fifty forty four, which. You know, he didn't let him get anything after not having any time to prepare for him. I don't know. What are your thoughts about the main event this weekend? Take I would care. say say hi to Oliver for me. Appreciate the call, Chris. I would say this. First of all, press row coming bright and early tomorrow morning to the SureDog.com blog and the front page of SureDog.com with the big homie from The Guardian, the Outsiders podcast, former SureDog.com editor, former TJ DeSantis tormentor on The Beatdown. It's Josh Gross. And we talked about various angles of Jones Cormier why it's thrilling. And, of course, you're going to get a roundtable as well and get tons of Jones Cormier discussion there. I won't go too, too deep on the X's and O's because that's mostly what the roundtable's for. And Gross and I even, in the segment, kind of tackle how, um, even though I mentioned in it the roundtable is for that breakdown purpose, it's hard to not consider the uh, actual tactics and strategy of the fight, knowing that the psychology and techniques play into one another. Like you look at the first fight and how Cormier went away from the leg kicks when he got frustrated, he was getting tagged, even though he was having really good success with the leg kicks. You look at John Jones taking Cormier down in round four just because he wanted to and obviously wanted to humiliate him and did so. So it's hard to separate the two. That said, I think Jones wins. I think the real question is, what physical vintage and incarnation of him shows up. We know where DC's at. You can argue whether or not he's battle-tested or war-torn, but he's still a very competent, fantastic fighter, one of the very best in the world. The question is, what shape is John Jones in? Is the ring rust real in this case? There should be no question about motivation, but how did it manifest? How does he look? From there, if John Jones is in... Not even the best form of his career. If he's even in, uh, in, in like a, a, a well-focused, well-trained, fully committed incarnation of his whatever his 30-year-old self is, that's the case, yeah, he should beat Dan Cormier, and I think a stoppage is possible. We'll get into more X's and O's, obviously, in the roundtable breakdown. But, yeah, I mean, it, I think one fundamental truth, and it, it speaks volumes to the fact that the first fight wasn't close it was competitive it wasn't close there's no question who won four rounds i mean at least three but i think definitely four rounds of their first fight and it speaks volumes as to how good dan cormier is and how generally well he fought because jones was in fantastic shape for that fight and at the end of the day a a fantastic in shape jones is a terrible style matchup for dan cormier Always will be. Doesn't mean Dan Cormier can't win, especially if John Jones isn't of relative sharpness, isn't of relative preparedness. But yeah, 
other things being equal, it should always be John Jones' fight to lose if he fights Stan Cormier. Always. 844-743-7364 is the phone number. We'll go back out to the phones line, too. It's Marco from Waco. Marco, what's up? Marco from Waco. Jordan and TJ. TJ? How you feeling, baby? Not good. I got to <laughs> run upstairs and get a Band-Aid. Well, oh. I'll deal. I'll deal with Marco while you play doctor. Ooh, that sounds gross. While you play, uh, I'll, be right, I'll be right back. So, yeah, you, well, crying Oliver, child in the background. I was Oliver, like, is that Oliver, Oliver makes his, uh, two uh, two minute uh, radio debut, and he's already there at the radio than uh, his father. <laughs> Sherlock Radio Network is a dangerous place. Like those are that's a, that's a real kid crying in the background. <laughs> and TJ and TJ wasn't even ignoring him. For the record, I've been crying on the radio for years. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's your boy, Mr. Sensitive, TJ DeSantis, who's clearly sensitive enough to, to go, I just see he needs to go get a Band-Aid, but he's still here to punch in Marco's call. Like, he's being sensitive to everyone's need. Mine, Marco's, his son's, who just found out what a truly dangerous minefield the MMA broadcast journalism game is. Marco, what's on your mind? I love, brother, I love. So let's start with uh, Chris Wyman calling out Michael Bispin. Uh, when he did it, I wasn't down with it. I was like, okay, don't you got Rocco, Jacare, Romero, Bobby, Bobby Knuckles in front of you, I mean, the internet champ. But then, upon further review, it makes sense. I mean, Bobby Knuckles blew his knee out. Lou Rocco is busy with Devin Branch. Jacare just lost. And then Romero just lost. So... Gegard Musasi took himself out of the equation by going to Bellator. The next logical guide is Chris Wyman. I'm sorry to say it. If you're, a, if you're an elite middleweight right now, other than Gegard Musasi, who is... Unless Alexander Shlomenko somehow hits an ungodly flying spin. Unless he did, does what Uriah Hall did somehow to one of the best defensive fighters in MMA history in the striking department in Gegard Musasi. Unless Alexander Shlomenko does that, this dude is just going to stampede to two titles and smash absolutely everyone at 185 and 205. And I think that includes Mo Lawal in the rematch. So other than Gegard Musasi, if you're an elite uh, middleweight right now, uh, the only thing that you should be doing is calling out other elite middleweights, being really mean to them on Twitter and Instagram, and then just wait, waiting for a call, waiting for a booking. If someone turns a fight down with you, that's okay. You can make fun of them later. Because this is the thing. Margo, you're like describing, well, yeah, Wyman called out Bisping, but Bisping accelerated it, but... At the same time, Yoel Romero, who's calling out Bisping, got trash talked by Rockhold, and now they're going back and calling each other nasty names that I can't say on air today. So it really is now like the top of the UFC's middleweight heap. Other than you know Robert Whitaker, who plays it pretty cool and is not uh, an easily rattled or trash talking sort of dude, and is as you mentioned on the shelf. Other than uh, Robert Whitaker, all of these dudes are are. Uh, outspoken, and as soon as Jacare is kind of off the mend and gets a booking, Jacare is never a dude that's afraid, afraid to speak, uh, if not inconvenient truths, then certainly some some bold opinions and air out how he feels about people and how he's being treated by his promoter. So uh, the middleweight division, it's not just a great division anymore, it's a great trash talk division. Hey, the, the goals of GSP, Beastie is rising again. Because GSP was on Bisping's uh, podcast on uh, Monday, 
and they started talking directly about re- uh, remaking this fight for October or November. So, you know, we got that ghost there rising from the ashes again. Uh, well, that's, 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 that's great to know that, that, uh, that, that, that pocket of time, who knows what insanity we end up with. It would be a shame to think the worst situation to come of that would be if Whitaker's not ready to go fast enough, they can't pull the trigger on Bisping GSP. They do it. GSP wins the middleweight title and then vacates it and then goes to do a super fight and retire or retires immediately. And Robert Whitaker, who would probably tune Michael Bisping senseless, Robert Whitaker never gets a chance to actually become the, like, the, the, the lineal middleweight champion of the world. He has to have that fracture in time. Because, you know, an injury and an injury that he sustained a minute into his championship winning performance. One of the most outstanding performances we've seen in recent memory. What like what what a tragedy of sport it would be. Well, let's let's just say he said he already got the injury and he re-aggravated it on the fight. Yeah. When I when uh, Romero came in. Yeah. Ah, uh, well. Jason Nye, Ricardo Lamas. Excellent fighter and all about Hick Diaz, but I still I'm making this case everywhere. Why in the hell is on FXX? And like not FS one, not FS two, not FX, FXX. I talked to Joe Carr and Junkie yesterday. I he didn't even give me a good explanation that I was, you know, uh happy with. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it's the best of things, but I can only presume, like, my immediate reaction to that broadcasting lineup was simply, they're obviously they're going to do Fight Pass. They have to stay religious to Fight Pass as their digital distribution platform. They're, they got to pay Snoop Dogg. Come on now. I get it. With FF, FXX, excuse me, you'd be hoping for FX, of course, but. I can only assume they're trying to drag in a kind of they're they're assuming based on this card the kind of people that are going to be tuning in on FS1, FS2 or whatever are the kind of people that are going to buy this thing anyway and they're trying to get a more casual cable audience that may stumble upon this and go, "Oh wow, John Jones, Daniel Cormier. Wow, I didn't know that was this weekend or whatever the case might be." That can only be it. Yeah, because you see the lineup for FS1. The guy I was about to, I was about to literally ask you, Marco, what what do FS1 and FS2 have on? Okay, FS1, regional major league baseball. FS2 got NASCAR, and FX got some movie that nobody ever heard about. See, FX is really where you should be with that. But if that's the concession they're making, well, maybe it's a maybe it's a calculated gamble. Maybe maybe they just want to try something out. At the end of the day, um, this is a card where, I, I mean, I guess, I guess there's a ways to be of two minds about it. If you want to get creative and do something like this, maybe you should do it for a different card that has less drawing power. At the same time, I totally get the idea of wanting to maximize an already big card, knowing the idea. If you're, if you're Gambit, is we're going to try to drag in these people that may only be dimly aware of what ha- what's like the, the, the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month of the UFC and may just recognize John Jones and Dan Cormier or something like that. Or may see three title fights and get thrilled. Um, if that's your gambit, I, I, all, I understand why you may want to do it for those purposes because those cards actually have names that may draw people in. I think I think there's worse places you could experiment, but I mean, if that's your experiment, you should be dedicated and be going with FX. 
Yeah. Hey, let me rapid fire on my last points, man. Sure. Who can of the mirror? You know, live long and prosper. I'm down with the high train with this guy. <laughs> uh, freaking uh, Seroni Lawler. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. I don't even want to make a pick right now, but awesome. Danny Avenger was on um, our podcast, another MMA podcast on Sunday. Uh, uh, as much as I know that the real pick there will be a cyborg, my heart is going with Tanya, I guess, because he should have on my podcast. <laughs> Freaking, uh... Hey, did, you just the, say, the did you just say you want Tanya Evander to have a podcast? No, Tanya went to another MMA podcast on Sunday, talked to our guys. Yeah, did you say you want Tanya to have a podcast? No, I, I say Tanya to win. Oh, okay. Tanya should have her own podcast. She's cool in interviews. If Tanya ever has a podcast, her and I have already come up with a name for it. So, prepare. <laughs> awesome. Damian Maya at uh, uh, the the human backpack probably is going to win it. And uh, John Jones, Cormier, man, they, 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 we've been waiting two and a half years for this fight. Hopefully, the MMA girls don't get stupid with that again. Again, uh, no, let's make it happen. Let's get to Saturday. And uh, John George is going to regain his title. We're going to let you guys catch that time. Appreciate the call, Marco. 844-SHERDOGS, the phone number, 844-743-7364. That's 844-743-7364. As far as Ozdemir Manoa goes, I'm still I'm still on the fence. That's definitely one. We, re- we record the roundtable tonight after we're done. Going to hit Fight Pass and uh, watch a, a little more of the old Taperino. But the one thing that occurs to me is, is like Marco rattles down those points, and I just like think about my my knee jerk reactions to um, these particular fights on this card. It's it would have to be an un and before we even get to the fights again, fingers crossed, knock on wood for John Jones getting to the fight. You know, we were we were three days away when UFC 200 got ripped apart and gutted. But the thing that really occurs to me with UFC 214, uh, I shouldn't say independent of, because, again, there's, there's an interconnectedness. There, we're talking about great fighters, and it wouldn't be possible uh, to have the, the conditions I'm about to talk about without that, that can, like, without that existing. But there's so many moments that could really be moments on this card. And if only some of them strike, you know, if John Jones has a redemptive performance, maybe that doesn't make everyone happy since he's willing to play the supervillain now. But it would certainly be something if he came back. Whatever he might say on the mic after, if he like came back and whooped Dan Cormier or finished him off. Likewise, if Cormier wins, the the spectacle of that moment, the achievement what it does to accelerate the rivalry that I think is already the best rivalry in MMA history. Either outcome of that fight is potentially massive. Woodley Maya. Yeah. It has a great chance to fail. If Tyron Woodley is able to dominate Demi and Maya by just neutralizing his game in a brutal 25 minute fashion, it could fail that way. He could also absolutely destroy him and reinvigorate a certain kind of excitement about Tyron Woodley that waxes and wanes with him generating those sorts of knockouts. It's not like people weren't excited for this guy going forward and who he may face after he clunked Robbie Lawler. It was the Stephen Thompson fights that cooled them, or cooled people on uh, Tyron Woodley. If Demi Amaya wins, 
whether he taps Tyron Woodley or whether it's not the funnest fight to watch, but he does it by being a backpack. That's Demi and Maya becoming a UFC champion. Is that the world you envision at UFC 112 when he was chasing Anderson Silva around over seven years ago as a middleweight? Is that what you imagine? When he cut to 170 and lost back-to-back to Jake Shields and Rory McDonald, he was going to go on what would be if he beat Woodley an eight-fight winning streak. He's 39 years old. Demi and Maya. This welterweight climate. Did you think it? What a moment for one of the most gentlemanly, the most statesman, as I've said time and time again, the Lady Bing trophy winner of mixed martial arts. The man who defines grace and class in jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts. At the highest level. What a moment. What will probably be, with all due respect to Tanya Evinger and whatever podcast she may have with TJ, she's probably going to get beat up by Cyborg. Who's more overdue for a true crowning moment than Chris Cyborg? And to be the queen of the division and the biggest promotion in the world, from these awful people like Dana White, who said terrible things about her. Like truly unconscionable things. And Dana White will have to put that belt on her. And heaven forbid, Tanya Evinger, author, what would be your upset of the year? A defining moment and a turning point in women's mixed martial arts. And for Dana White, who, not Dana White specifically, but his underlings, the tiny one who doesn't have the accent. For this man to have to watch Tanya Evinger get the belt put around her waist. Oh, and by the way, Robbie Lawler's going for four fight of the years in a row. And has about as good a foil as you could hope for, even if it only is a three-rounder. Like, even, even if you get, you know, like even if only some of those things hit, if only some of those scenarios come to pass, combined with how good the undercard is, I mean, we've had some unique events this year. UFC on Fox 25 just was one of them. It didn't draw well. It didn't excite everyone as we heard on Beatdown After the Bell, but it was weird. And it was fun. KSW Coliseum, maybe the second, at worst, third biggest MMA attendance ever. And an incredible card. Bellator 180, complete car crash freak show, combined with actually great fights. Felt a little bit of everything. But the potential, like, legendary moment in time, do you remember when, like... There's so many potential like uh, hypothetical moments to be had at 214 that some of them may just override each other. It's like some true iconic performances may simply overshadow the others. It's like a true potential embarrassment of riches. Go back up to the phones, line one. It's Junior in Fresno. Junior, what's up? Hey, well, first of all, let me say one of the greatest commercials that's uh, a little bit more contemporary than uh, what you referenced was Chuck Liddell's Dural last commercial. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. Explosions. 
the yes. blue nail po- uh, toenail polish beats them all, period. It's, I, it's I funny. dare you to defy that. It's, it's funny, too, how, like, the Liddell, like, yes, they're corny, but, like, Chuck Liddell as a pitch man is incredible. And, and with all seriousness, it sucks that Chuck is punchy. And there's no doubt about it. And has been for years. And it yeah. sucks that some of his more, like, his most famous public moment is still probably the Good Morning Texas interview, where he's just in a state and just appears to be high out of his mind. And is just rambling incoherently, is clearly unwell. It sucks that that's like the public moment people remember him for. And for years, people were like, well, I mean, could this dude really be a star? I mean, he can't talk. He's not really charismatic. No. Charisma transcends that stuff. This dude is, he's a Bud Light pitch man and is hilarious in those corny things. The Dural ass one? I mean, awesome. I, his, his greatest acting moment, I think, which I just saw yesterday, was uh, War Pigs. If y'all haven't seen it, please don't watch it. It's a horrible movie. I don't know why 80% of the things that were going on in that movie even happened, but uh, his, his death scene. Uh, though tragic, was epic. Hey, can I can I tell you my favorite commercial involving a mixed martial artist? Yes. I know. It's like I'm at the fight. It's like I'm right next to Michael Chandler. You asked Michael Chandler. It's like he's talking directly to me. <laughs> I am talking to you. I'm sitting right here. Like he's sitting right here. How is this happening? <laughs> Ooh. Every Friday, catch Bellator in the- anyway. Uh, what TJ did play is the director's cut of that commercial where uh, Brent Primus turns around from playing Big Buck Hunter and it's a real gun and he just shoots Michael Chandler in the leg and wins the Bellator lightweight title. These, these, this, this is the sport that we love. <laughs> and because of the freak show aspect, I feel like sometimes we're taking huge leaps forward and then these moments just kind of make you scratch your head and go, what year is it again? I mean, wow. Someone needs to just talk, call and just like, you know, it's 2017, right? <laughs> it is, it is a confusing, it, like, it, you know, the, there are all these different angles to reconcile in the sport. And in all seriousness, like you see it in things like last week with like, and dovetailing into, into this week. Cause after Chris Weidman wins, one of the things Ariel Hawani asked him, after the fight, was he asked him about you know taking money to go to Chechnyan warlord Ramzan Kadyrov's birthday, and you know it, it comes down to these managers like your Ali Abdelaziz and your Malki Kawas being like, oh well, I mean no one knew, and it's like like dude, someone offers you like someone you don't know is like we're gonna fly you halfway around the world, you and your client, we want you to attend the birthday party of this person, like you're not even gonna look their name up, how? preposterously incurious can you be like that is if there is a more insane illustration of willful blindness i don't know what it could possibly be it's the craziness that is mma that we love so much and and the whole chechenian thing is just kind of i i uh, I'm yeah. all, I'm, and, I'm and, well, and this is and this is the thing. Like you have you have the same people that are like, I think it's great that Amanda Nunes is uh, the first openly gay UFC champion, and and I hope the UFC pushes that. And at the same time, these people are like, D- well, dude, Chris Weidman didn't know. Do do you think Verdum knew? Yes, yes, and they didn't care. 
didn't care how the sausage was getting made. The sausages made them money. The worst thing about it is that just on that Chechen tip, if you will, when when everyone freaks out, I, I've said it once, I'll say it a hundred times, I feel like Facebook, YouTube, basically just the Internet is trying to get me to kill myself with everyone saying how horrible we are here in America. And I don't know what it's like in Canada. I just know here apparently we're all homophobic, transphobic, uh, racists as a, uh, as a ambiguously ethnic individual who most people don't know what the hell I am and I don't even know half the time. For people to even think I care, I think is the biggest insult to me, where it's like, I don't care what you are, I don't care what you do. There are people that do, and I think we need to talk about those people. Me, I could give two crap what, what genitalia you have or who you even want to, you know, lay with. It doesn't affect me, I don't care. That being said, there are people that do, and those are the ones we need to get angry about. Yeah, Absolutely. And and it need but it needs to be consistent. And I think Junior, like it harkens to what you're talking about. It's it, it's not even a, it's not even a step or a question of you know two steps forward, one step back. It's like it's like being torn in different directions. It's like moving in all like multiple directions simultaneously, because at, at the same time that the MMA community at large, like I said, generally wants to lionize uh, a, an openly gay champion. You have people that want to defend the managers of other UFC champions who are taking money from a savage genocidal dictator. I don't even, but the thing is, here's my thing. I don't even, it's hard for me to say I don't blame them. It's, it's money. The only people, the only thing, the only color that anyone cares about 100% is green. That's what's scary. But that being said, we as a consumer have to stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. I mean, I don't know what we got to do. Like I said, for me, I don't. I don't care. I mean, maybe is that the most? Is that the hugest? Uh, 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 you know, enlightenment, enlightened generation where we're just kind of standing around, guys like me. I'm in. The, I'm in the Central Valley. We're probably about 20 years behind the rest of the West Coast in terms of progress and and all this other crap. Just because we're farmers, we got other crap going on. I, I'm. I'm more worried about is it going to rain this year? Instead of worried about how, your gender identity, uh, I've, I've got bigger fish to fry. Literally, I, I, I've just caught some, you know, some black bass. That, you know, is, is that is that racially insensitive because I called it a black bass? I, I don't know. Junior, anything else in your mind, my man? Um, freak show fights after after John Jones beats Daniel Cormier, which it is it is going to happen. <laughs> Uh, when and where will they be making this uh, Brock Lesnar John Jones super fight? I'll talk to y'all on the other side. Appreciate it, Junior. When you said freak fights after Jones Cormier, I thought he meant Ryzen because it starts at like 1 a.m. Eastern time. But uh, play by play on Sherlock.com by yours truly, by the way. Um, but uh, no, if he if he means Jones Lesnar, somehow I don't think we'll get there. But with Brock Lesnar's WWE deal coming up, you know what he has to do. He has to go to the Associated Press and sprinkle those breadcrumbs. You know, speaking of guys who have a kind of charisma and a kind of smarts that doesn't seem immediately obvious. Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar is a real carny. People always phrase it like Brock Lesnar didn't love pro wrestling, and that's why. No, Brock Lesnar hated traveling all over the place. He's a solitary man. He doesn't want to be on the road like that. But Brock Lesnar 
even if he was a national champion and a national runner-up and a two-time JUCO champion, he loves being a carny, loves to play people. Part of me thinks that old senior photo at the University of Minnesota, those glasses were just a troll job. <laughs> well, if anything, the glasses suit him now because they make him kind of look like a weird, devious, uh, overblown mad scientist. It looks like he'd be running with Erwin R. Scheister. He does look like the, one of the beefier uh, tax prep guys or uh, IRS agents you would ever see, certainly of the accounting variety. But man, Brock knows how to get paid. And at this point in time, because of his celebrity, knows how to play one end against the other, all, all sides against one another, however many sides there are, and get paid for whoever's going to pay him to do the most for the thing that makes him most comfortable. Well, everyone seems to be like, oh, Lesnar getting back in this USADA pool, it's because he's going to fight John Jones at the end of the year. Is it? Or is it to make <laughs> Vince nervous? Yeah. Dude, this guy knows how to get leverage. Like, dude, Paul Paul Heyman is is truly devious in, in, uh, in uh, capitalistic and carnivalistic sense. And, and that's his mentor. That's who's taught Brock Lesnar almost everything he knows about pro wrestling. You know, I think money's like, worth the same regardless of how you make it, whether it be legitimate sports or simulated. So... Also, the one other thing I want to say real quick, uh, uh, I actually do want to, to mention uh, some stuff about the Rising card as well, but on, on one thing that I've seen some people sort of say after you know the column last week and the, the press row segment with Kareem Zidane and the HBO Real Sports segment on Kadyrov, what a lot of people I saw say was like, well, oh, see, a lot of these, these UFC fighters, they wouldn't be taking this warlord's money. They're not bad people. They wouldn't be taking the money if they and to show you that you don't know what you're talking about I presented to evidence Ramzan Kadyrov paying Floyd Mayweather to hang out with him now you may say well Floyd Mayweather has tax problems sure but making a lot of money and having tax problems often go hand in hand just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean that you don't owe a lot of money and having a lot of money and perhaps owing a lot of money doesn't mean that you don't want more. So if you're telling me the highest paid, I mean, depending on how you want to tally it, the athlete who gets paid truly the most to play his sport is Floyd Mayweather Jr. And he's about to make a whole grip of cash on August 26th. You can't tell me he doesn't get paid regardless of what you think of his liquidity and assets and owed again and what he owes against. Regardless of what you think about that, no one gets paid more. And yet, there he still is, next to Ramzan Kadyrov. He's bringing over like, he had like Cindy Crawford at one of his parties. You think Cindy Crawford is strapped for it? Isn't she married to like some French like multi-industrialist she's got like one of those Salma Hayek husbands or something now it ain't because these guys are underpaid that they're doing it. it's because everyone wants to keep getting paid and if you've been paid you'll want to get paid again 844-743-7364 is the number line two zombie Paul from Virginia Beach Paul what's good thank you for letting me get through uh, it's been a while 
look, uh, I can't believe you said Liddell is punchy. He would obviously beat Jones in his prime. This is ridiculous. <laughs> that is... And then... I, I, can I quickly say, Paul, that I find it, it... It speaks volumes about how preposterous of a statement that is, that... In spite of how polarized people are on their opinion of Jones, and I think how generally fondly people remember Chuck Liddell, uh, that is not something that has ever really gained traction. I mean, it's clear that he would hit him with that loop, and you know, at first he'd finger poke him. He's the one who taught he taught Jones how to finger poke the eyes, and then he would hit him with that looping overhand, and it would just be done. And then you're blaming Weidman about going to. This guy is constantly concussed. Look at his fight schedule these last four or five fights. He doesn't even know how to tie his own shoe. His wife ties his shoes for him. It's scary, man. Like, 33 years old. Man, like, this guy's going to be tearing movie tickets pretty soon, like, uh, at, the, at the concession stand. Like, he, he's not going to be able to work anywhere. He's not going to be able to do any Fox commentary, anything. I will say that them interviewing him after Rockhold savaged him was one of the most uncomfortable interviews I've ever seen conducted in the UFC cage. This is just like, this person is the last person on earth right now who needs to be spoken to with a camera on their face on pay-per-view. In the middleweight division, when you are thinking that this thing is the healthier one than Weidman, you know you're in a bad position. Also, also by the way, can I, can I say that Weidman... The Bisping starting to starting to think different of him in the trash talk department because one of the things that's great about Bisping is Bisping's greatest asset is that he I think there's a cultural thing him being from Northern England and uh, being a bit of a bullshit uh, bullshit asshole that in Forbes you know this has been a lifelong thing for him but also he's a very witty dude and a very quick dude. Uh, but also he knows how to push people's buttons. Weidman isn't like quick or witty necessarily, although like I do think he's got some wit to him. The post-fight presser when he accidentally poured the Zions on himself, his his recovery was masterful. But he is definitely a certified button pusher. When he made fun of Bisping's eye, when you make Michael Bisping go, actually, sir, that's uncivil and uncouth for you to say that. That's a training injury. Like, the way Michael Bisping treats people and the things he says about them to get a rise of them. And Wyman got him so bad about his eye, which, in fairness to Bisping, is, serious, is a serious injury. You interview Michael Bisping, you get to interview him from one side of his body, and he does everything to shield his messed up eye and its detached retina and how it's been repaired from the cameras. And it will be a problem for the rest of his life. Look, one of my favorite hobbies is taking LSD and then looking into a picture of Michael Bisping's bad eye. And when I was, I took a bunch of LSD and looked into his eye yesterday, and I saw Tanya Evinger winning. I don't know how <laughs> she, you know, she looks like slow. Like I love Tanya. I love Cyborg. You know, I'm a big women's fan, but Tanya looks like she's fighting. In, uh, in quicksand compared to Cyborg, this is going to be scary. The style matchup is terrible for Tanya. I'm just glad that she's got like a three-fight contract. Well, that's like, that's like a weird paradox, though, because Tanya Everinger's whole thing, for the most part, like she's had submission slip-ups in the past, even recently when Mike England uh, gets to be Yana Kunitskaya's uh, tag team partner there. Um, and it's entirely possible that Cyborg gets on top of her, starts beating her, and she gives up a submission. But offensively, she's tough. She's workmanlike. I don't think she's going to hold Cyborg down and ground and pound her or anything like that. But it's sort of this weird paradox of 
well, shouldn't someone that upset Cyborg be, you know, a steady, tough presence that can, you know, hang around and take some damage like Tanya Evinger and maybe finish her by submission in a scramble? At the same time, knowing Tanya's physical limitations, it's hard to imagine that Cyborg isn't going to steamroll her. Yeah, it's like uh, you can't think of really any woman that can take the damage. Marlos Conan, all she did was absorb damage, Weidman style. You know, Kat Zingano might be able to take a lot of damage. Misha Tate might have used to been able to take a lot of damage, but that's pretty much all those girls seem to have been able to offer Cyborg at this time. And then I got another point. I was thinking kind of about the DC Jones fight. Like, imagine if DC was 30 and John Jones was 39 after, you know, 15, 20 years of cocaine use. Who would be winning that one? <laughs> well, uh, 30-year-old Dan Cormier, I don't know. Is he, is he still like a two-time Olympian? I mean, you understand what I'm saying, like top ten. Yeah, years no, no, I feel, I feel what you're saying. Career That's... and then add ten years of heavy drug use and fights to to John Jones's career, and I think that we'd be looking at this as like an even fight. Right now, <laughs> I think Jones is going to kill Cormier. Well, the scary thing is, maybe John Jones is doing this at 39 and still being the John Jones we know and revile today. So hey. it's it's possible. It's it's legitimately possible as. It sounds like I'm just being smarmy and silly about it, but in all seriousness, Paul, nine years from now, when John Jones is 39, I may have an answer, a real one. I mean, I I know he's not clean. You know, Papa Northcutt told me, take. You know, he knows I don't want to work for him anymore, but he said, take this one last package to John Jones. You know, it's a big payday. Go, you know, get on the road and go. So I had to do what I had to do, but... uh could you imagine if, if instead of T-Wood taking Sage Norton under his wing, it was John Jones taking him under the wing? Like, all right, go to the strip club, you put Molly up the girl's asshole, and then you take the Molly, <laughs> and then she's already tri- tripping before you're tripping, and then she's freaking, and then you're doing this and that, and then you blow, you, know, you sandblast the hose, and, and Sage's stop, like, hey, you sandblast them. That's how you do it. You sandblast them. Like, could you stop. imagine that? That'd be, that'd be awesome TV. I'm not, pow- I'm not powerful enough to stop you. <laughs> Please stop yourself. But yes, no, we are we are lucky that it was Tyron Woodley and not John Jones. True, and then uh, I'm I'm feeling T Wood. You know, the thing about T Wood is I love T Wood, but he really, unless he knocks the guy out or gets knocked out, he is in a boring fight. And then you got Damian Maya, who quite possibly could put on a boring fight. I want to see an early knockout, and I don't want to see T Wood loses losing. But if he loses, I want to see him get choked out quick because I don't want to see any kind of long fight. The only fight I hope goes long is the Evinger-Cyborg fight and the fact that, like, uh, I'm hoping that Evinger's doing, you know, making a show of herself. Like, something, you know, I don't think she's going to win. I'm cheering for her to win. But I just hope that she's just, like, getting in some damage, you know, making surprise expectations, like, just showing just don't out. Let it, don't know, let it be the Leslie Smith fight. Just don't let it be the Leslie Smith fight. Oh, definitely. And even Leslie Smith, she got robbed on that. She was, I mean, look. She definitely ate every punch, but she was coming forward and then getting up. I'm not saying that she wasn't about to get smashed and that she didn't get saved brain damage, but she was coming forward and she was getting up. She came, she was all heart, you know, Lovely Smith. I love Lovely Smith. I mean, I, I don't. Th- you're not going to find too many Leslie Smith detractors in the MMA sphere, I don't think. And that was, uh, even if it was an inevitability, as we discussed on Beatdown for the Bell that night, even if it was an inevitability, the stoppage still was premature. One week from tomorrow night, Leslie Smith and the Tachi Palace fights uh, booth with myself. 
Nice. TJ, shout, shout out to you on Invicta. You did a great, you know, I haven't gotten through online for a few times because you guys don't answer my calls, but a great job on Invicta the last time I heard you. I thought the Invicta show was robbed of all its jewels off the top, and it was kind of a kind of a weak show, and I'm a big Invicta fan, but I, I'm sure the next one will be better. Kedzie was yeah. there. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not talking about the, uh, <laughs> the announcing. He's, he's, make, he's, make, he's making a pun. Go return to the dust of the earth. Appreciate it as always, Paul. I see. What, I see what you did there, TJ. Dad jokes for days. Uh, it's not bad jokes at all. You got you got in fast enough. Like I said, there's different elements. There's speed. There's wit. There's knowing how to push people's buttons and provoke a response. You got you got speed and wit. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're not you're not much of a button pusher. You're too nice of a guy for that. I think for the most part. But you got speed and wit. You got jokes. Uh, ask my wife if I push her buttons because, yeah, I piss her off all the time. I mean, that's 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 just true love, TJ. Oh, wait, Oliver wants to say something. What do you want to say? I'm just on back. Oh, you're back? Yeah, I'm just... Got it. <laughs> Welcome back. Oliver, tell us who your favorite fighter is. Who's your favorite fighter, Ollie? You don't know who your favorite fighter is? You told us before the show started. He's, listening, he's watching the iPad, if you can't tell. Oh, no. What, what, yeah, what is he watching on yeah, the iPad? What are you watching on the iPad right now? Playmobil. Oh, Playmobil. I got, I got a new band-aid from the doctor. Well, the doctor being Hannah, the front desk lady upstairs, yes. <laughs> Hannah, a.k.a. I'm not going to say anything mean about Hannah, because yeah. I haven't personally met Hannah. She's great. But for those... No, great. I'm happy to hear it because uh, that that can tame the raging anger I feel whenever I see her name because it pops up in my inbox every day. For those who don't know, like everyone who's owned by our parent company who's an editor for any of the websites is entered into this mailing list, which is pertinent in some ways, very remote ways, if you're the administrative editor of SureDog.com. However, what it is pertinent for is if you're in the physical building in Culver City, California. That's when it actually matters. Because I'm someone who gets a really high anxiety when my email piles up. And by the way, if you haven't got an email response from me in the last two to three weeks, it, it's coming. I'm going through my old mail. I'm getting there. I'm sorry. I get real stressed out about that. And there's only so many times I can be like, oh my god, I have hundreds of emails. And I look at them and it's like... It's Friday. Happy hour. Make sure to clean out the fridge. And another email is like, someone's parked in a spot that's not theirs. And then there's another email that's like, someone lost their car keys. Are these yours? They're at the front desk. Right. I always seem to miss the uh, one that's like, hey, don't use the 405. Barack Obama's in town. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think See, I, I'll, I'll, Oliver, try one more time. Who's your favorite fighter? There you go. <laughs> Tanya Evinger, uh, Tanya Evinger is, I think, a role model in a very unique and special way. And I don't, and I don't mean that sarcastically at all. I would, I would be okay with uh, Tanya Evinger being uh, the ceremonial aunt of my child. I like Eric Dubusio. Uh, 
Did you say I like Erica DiPersio as well? Yeah, he likes Erica DiPersio as well. They're both <laughs> they're both on an Invicta FC 13 poster in the house, though. It's, it is like you're <laughs> Oliver's eventually. I'm sure he'll go through a phase where he doesn't think MMA is cool and like pushes back against it because it's like your thing or whatever. But it's weird to think he's gonna grow up and like like other kids his age, like who are into the UFC. He's just like jocking Invicta. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's all on that 105 pound tip. <laughs> Adam waits for days. Yeah, wild. Yeah, I mean he's been he. Uh, he, he who else? You Jin, like Jin Yu Fry's? Jin Yu Fry's oldest fan is like five or six. Yeah. Hey Oliver. Right. Oliver, who else? He likes one UFC fighter, like one in particular. Yeah. T- tell Jordan who you like, the one UFC fighter. Julia Pena. There you go. <laughs> uh, it. I will, I will, in the same way, or in a different way than the Tanya Evinger praise I gave, uh, Juliana Pena, great athlete, uh, not a role model for your kids, for sure. That's no, fine, though. She's a pro fighter. Yeah, but I mean, uh, he's all into women's MMA. That's that's the dopest. But yeah, Juliana Pena, her job's to dunk a basketball, not to raise your kids. He, he likes he, one male fighter real quick. Hey, Ollie, tell me who your favorite male fighter is. Who teaches you jujitsu? He teaches you jujitsu. Javi. Yeah, Javi. Shout outs to Showtime Javi Vasquez. The pinkest man in town. All right. Yeah, I, think guy, I, I, like, I lay claim to that, sir. Thank you. <laughs> you uh you like you you turn pink, he puts on pink. I guess I guess you have it you have it genetically. Right. All natural All right. over here. My my own natural pink producer over here who told me to take a break and then forced his son at gunpoint to repeatedly reveal his favorite fighters from Invicta, the promotion he works for. Uh, it's time to pay some bills. It's break time. The lines are wide open. Get at me. 844-SHIRDOG is the number. It's 844-743-7364. 844-743-7364. On Twitter, at Jordan Breen, J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-E-N. Email me, jbreen at suredog.com. Be back on the other side of some bill paying right here on the JBS on the SRN. Broadcasting live from Los Angeles to the world, this is the global authority in mixed martial arts. The Suredog Radio Network. Looking to maximize your sports betting bankroll? Then sign up with betonline.ag today to claim a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code SHIRDOG and up to $2,500 worth of sportsbook free plays will be credited to your account instantly. Once you're in on the action, you'll see firsthand why betonline.ag receives an A grade. Bonuses on every qualifying deposit. The earliest opening odds in the industry. State-of-the-art live betting software. The highest parlay and teaser payouts on the planet. Plus, you're getting odds on football, hoops, baseball, MMA, boxing, and just about every other sport. That's just a small sample of what is waiting for you at betonline.ag. And thanks to a large list of banking options, including credit cards and Bitcoin, getting your account set up only takes a few minutes. Most importantly, when it comes to getting paid, your winnings will always be delivered to you on time. Remember to score your 50% bonus. Just use the promo code SHIRDOG. Sign up at betonline.ag today. Because you can't. Now, back to Jordan Breen on the Sure Dog Radio Show. <laughs> Thanks, voice guy. I forgot we even had that. Welcome back to the JBS here on the SRN. Got another 22 minutes on a lovely Wednesday. 
844-SHERDOG is the phone number. It's 844-743-7364. It's 844-743-7364. Get me on Twitter, at Jordan Breen, J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-E-N, or email me, jbreen at SureDog.com. Uh, over on Twitter, we were talking about commercials. And uh, originally, when I brought up the Zions ones, because we kind of branched out. Uh, originally, I was thinking... Zions. Well, we started with Metro PCS. We were talking about the idea of it's the kind of creative control and weird ass commercials that you get out of some of the UFC's title sponsors have been very bizarre over the years and have made just some surreal programming. And this kind of split off into a couple different ways. One that was brought up to by uh, who we got here uh, at Jeff till death just tuned in. You've mentioned the coin gallery of Oyster Bay with Chris Weidman and Ally Quinta, right? TJ, I've sent you a link. This one is a gooder. Please, please cue it up. Uh, can you do me a favor and actually, I'll, you might have some double talk here in a moment, but it'll be fine. I can me, do it. All right, I'm hitting it right now. It's loading up. Here we go. <laughs> This is my ring, but this is her ring, and I didn't have to fight to get a great deal on an engagement ring here at the Julie Gallery of Oyster Bay. Don't tap out your bank account. Okay, can I point I out that he says this is my ring, and I actually think it's a Bellator cage? <laughs> it's an Everlast, like, sponsorship everywhere in this thing. Well... Dude, maybe they filmed at, like, Shulman's or something. What is, what is <laughs> happening over here? This just keeps playing. Where is this thing? Oh, my God. I can't turn it off, Reed. Well, you're going to have to take all your jewelry to Oyster Bay or buy all your jewelry from Oyster Bay. Seriously, like, I have no idea where this audio is coming from. Uh, I, can, I can't hear it. Can everyone else hear it? Yeah, everyone else can hear it. What's up with all That's these awesome. Uh, They're getting tons of good advertising. What is it's not Oyster Bay. Sort of it's magical Damn it. Where First is this? There we go. It, now it's gone. I don't know it, what it, it was. It was like a weird, was, like, I don't, I don't know. It was weird. It's it probably just a Sherdog.com ad. No, it wasn't an internet website. It wasn't like Wolverine's Claws. Wolverine's Claws is the all-time, the all-time worst. Just truly, truly the all-time worst. Oh, my God. And it, and it took them so long to get rid of it. They did get rid of it, thankfully. And we moved to something. For those who don't know, we had a rollover ad. Which Was it for the one just called Wolverine? I think so. I'm guessing. Yeah, because Logan's the one that just came out. And yeah. it, wasn't the, it, wasn't the, it wasn't like the origin story where he's like in Japan. So I think it was, in fact. And like the, the first time it happened, it, it's not... I mean, it's bad enough that it takes over your entire screen and you got to find the damn X to close it. It's another thing to have it play the sound effect of the claws coming through your monitor. And Yeah, for, for those who need a, like, a direct image of this, it was like a top banner that shouts to the fine homies at Gorilla Nation selling those ads, making that ad revenue. 
helping us get paid. I appreciate it. But part of that job is is <laughs> knowing what works and doesn't work for users of all kinds, whether that's your, your, your customers and clients and website viewers, or whether it's not the people who use this tool. This rendered the website unusable for even people who basically worked for it for days because there's a rollover banner on the top that was like somehow placed better than any rollover banner we've ever had. And when you rolled over, it did a full screen autoplay takeover where Hugh Jackman's face as Wolverine came through after the Wolverine claws go through your screen with the loudest ramped up ka as it like makes the metal on metal noise or adamantium or yeah. whatever it's called on metal. I mean, there was no... I mean, you were perilous when this thing took over the, the website. You were done. Yeah. And then I think it like launched into like something after. And then if and then the worst part, if you like, you know, toggled your mouse super quick to try to escape it, you would inadvertently keep rolling over the ad and restarting it. So you just constantly be assailed by Hugh Jackman's claws screaming through your computer screen. Uh, you got Oliver from Orange County on the phone if you want to talk to him. And by phone, I mean microphone. <laughs> I was like, is, do we really have a caller named Oliver? What are the odds? No. I mean, the only, I mean, it could be Ariel's son. Maybe, maybe, maybe Ariel's son Oliver is, is rebelling, doesn't ever listen to the MMA hour, but he's all up on that JBS tip. All right. Well, we're going to try, we're going to try to give Oliver a new favorite fighter, and it's one who's male and not in the UFC. Are you ready, TJ? Let's do it. This is by popular request. Shoutouts to, to all the people who suggested such a fun idea on Twitter. If I was a kid and I saw Co Kaito Huvelson, a.k.a. Baruto, Baruto Kaito, I would be, I would be hypnotized. I, I, feel like, I feel like when Oliver sees him shadow boxing in a pair Hello. of pants. Hello, Oliver. I feel like when Oliver sees uh, Baruto shadow boxing and doing katas and not even shadow boxing, doing katas and forms with Akira Shoji underneath a waterfall, I feel like that's the moment where he's going to be converted. So, TJ, let me know when you're hitting play on this beautiful, beautiful uh, a video that you can find on YouTube. It's titled "The Legend of Baruto." It was made uh, as a hype video by a fan. Oliver, come over here before the Mirko Krokop mm -hmm. showdown, which he was unfortunately smashed in, and uh, nicely uploaded by a YouTube user, immortalizing, I think, the most underrated man from the heyday of all Japan Pro Wrestling, Akira Tawe. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and hit play on this, and uh, we'll get Oliver's review of it here in a moment. So here we go. Hopefully I can turn it off this time. What happened? There it is. Look at that. Look at that. Now educating your son with sumo highlights. This. This is a role model for children. Oliver has no idea what the hell is happening right now. Maybe he's thrilled. Maybe he's ecstatic and raptured. <laughs> that sumo referee got decked! 
Oh, Marudo running steps is my everything. Yeah, and there's like literally a Pacific Rim in this. <laughs> this may give him all this attention. This is just excellent to listen to on the radio. Oh, I mean, it's, it's dramatic. You can hear some monsters roaring. I was giving play-by-play of Bruno's exploits. Hey, it's got the fox robot. <laughs> Cletus. It's your boy, Cletus. Made a fan for Estonia's greatest mixed martial artists. Excuse me, Estonia's greatest martial artist. Oh yeah, Kaiju battle. I think I think that's enough. All right, Oliver, what'd you think? I know. What'd you think of that video? It was really cool. Say louder into the mic. It was really cool. Fan has been made. So Bruno Kaito. Now now the favorite non Invicta, non UFC fighter of one Oliver DeSantis. You like Baruto? Mm-hmm. All right. Run along. He's more interested in SpongeBob now. In fairness, Baruto seems like a character that could be on SpongeBob if he just happened to be, like, an aquatic creature. I mean, he may, in fact, live in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> I mean, given the general size of his waist, even with him being, like, six foot seven or six foot eight, he may also actually have to wear square pants. I'll co-sign on that. I need to quickly see. I've done this on air before. I think it's just the one, but I need to make sure that there's... I want to see how many uh, Brazilian MMA fighters are named Bob Esponja, which is SpongeBob's name. <laughs> uh, okay. We have a... we have, Okay, well, we have a Carlos Esponja, which, I mean, it's not Bob Esponja. Is Danilo... We have two Bob Esponjas. We have a new Bob... We, oh, we have a very new Bob Esponja in the system. He's a 1996 birth date and is only fighting amateur. Welcome to the ranks, Danilo Felice. Danilo Felice Habello Kiros. Is there a Baba Sponja O'Reilly? <laughs> I mean, there's several Bobas, but there's uh, no other Esponjas other the original Jose Lucas Fabiano DeMello, also known as Fabiano Lucas in most cases. Is You're- is Guns N' Roses still in the Fight Finder? Absolutely, Guns N' Roses is still in the Fight Finder. That's so great. The question is, 
who was it? Which which Friere brother was it that Guns N' Roses fought? Oh, I have no idea. Let's let's go in and find out. Oh, we have a real name for Guns N' Roses now. What's well, disappointing? Gladson Alves Martins is the real name of Guns N' Roses. Wow. Oh man, he fought, dude. He's fought, he's fought several notable fighters. Uh, he fought Glarison Santos, Tonino Furia. He fought Patricky Ferreira. He fought Marlon Silva, and he fought Leandro Higo. Uh, all four of them beat him in a row, actually. So when he stepped up in opposition, things did uh, not go too well for Guns N' Roses. But in a way, he's like Guns N' Roses. He came out hot out of the gate with four wins and then dropped five losses in a row. So when does he enter uh, like the reunion tour? Like When's he going to play Coachella? He's only 35 years old, so there's plenty of time for him to uh, further embody Axel and the boys. Well, I mean, or maybe he's, Axel's he has not to, even his favorite. He has to tease the return for like at least 15 years, right? Chinese democracy. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, so there's only two Bob Sponges. If I, what if I put in square square pants? And is there any like American fighters? There's no square pants. What if I Lyle like, Beerbomb. Oh, I know well, fancy. Pants. His aren't square. They're just fancy. And if they were square pants, they probably wouldn't be that fancy. Oh, I type SpongeBob. I'm blowing it. SpongeBob. No, uh, there was a guy in the UFC, Edinaldo uh, Oliveira, nicknamed Lulu Molusca, which is just the name for uh, a squid in Portuguese, but it's also the name of Squidward on Boba Esponja. So uh, he was more likely nicknamed for Squidward. So we've had other crossover like that. Uh, are you curious, uh, especially after your homie Jessica Penny's Comic Con cosplay? Do you, do you want to see how many cigats there are in Brazil? Oh, please. I think they're all in Brazil. Um, so I Okay, some of them aren't. So I searched cigat. Now, a lot of these use a different spelling. You'll find them a lot in Brazil, uh, S-A-G-A-T-T-E. But I just searched because our search query would include that as well. I just searched the actual spelling, S-A-G-A-T. We have 26 results. The vast majority of them appear to be... Uh, Brazilian guys, but we have two guys here that are definitely from the Caucasus. One from Kazakhstan, Sagatbek Burkatov, and we. Oh no, that's because it's in their name. I'm silly. I'm silly. I picked it up because it's in their name. They all appear to be Brazilian. Then, Let's see page two. Nope, all Brazilian. Just goes to show the. Uh, the, the the legacy of Street Fighter, especially Street Fighter Two, is so much more international than people even realize. TJ, five days from now will be the thirteenth anniversary of the day I was supposed to fight Sean Nolan. Speaking of Street Fighters, by the way, Sean Nolan still six wins, forty six losses. Can I tell? You, can I tell you who I would be on this card with? Who I would have fought next to? Y- yes, please do. Please read us all the details of the card. Let's go bottom to top. I would have been the curtain jerker. I would have opened the show against Sean Nolan. Instead, he fought Brian Anthony Fulton. No relation to Travis. I think it's his brother. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was. I was literally about to say. I actually don't know that, and probably. Uh, well, actually. well, Travis Fulton is the promoter. Oh, then uh, certainly a relation to Travis Fulton. Yeah, I should have known. This is the Midwest. Um, Tavares Hunter. Defeated Joe Mullenbach. I don't. I don't know who Joe Mullenbach is or Tavares Hunter. I'm curious if either of them ever fought again. Uh, what a weird nickname. Joe Mullenbach's nickname is Mister Reckles. I don't know what that means. 
is it is it the misspelling of Mr. Rickles like Don Knotts? From, yeah, uh, but it, yeah. yeah, that's weird. Um, well, I mean, we were just talking about Brazilian nicknames. Misspellings are okay in nicknames, dude. Right. But dude, think about this: Luis Enrique da Silva, as we've joked endlessly in the past with the homie Zane Simon in various SRN appearances. Right. Like Frank Waste, like the Brazilian media called this dude Frank Wasten. W a i s t e n for years. Hey, Pride FC Before- called the Iceman Chack Liddell. Yeah, so you get stuff like this all the time. Frank Wasten's crazy though because dude, Frankenstein. Dude, Frankenstein's a German name. German last names are not uncommon in southern Brazil. In fact, they're very common right. because of German settlement. You should know Frankenstein. Um, Who else is on this card? I'm just going to get to the money here. Um, Wayne Weems. Oh, boy. Defeated Shane Sams. Wayne Weems, who went on to do pro wrestling after his appearance on Tough. And... Uh, I'm not sure if it was a pro wrestling match or is it? I think it's an actual fight. Yeah, he fought a guy allegedly. Who knows? I need to find video. Maybe it's a work. He fought a guy for the Illinois Wrestling Association Incorporated, which sounds like a pro wrestling company. And the guy he fought was named Trip Shatfires. Who is his manager? That's a that's a good question. I know you don't mean his fight manager. I mean, no, I mean like valet. Him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good old Trip Shatfires. He also fought a guy named Johnny Wisdom, which sounds like a pro wrestling name as well. Johnny oh, Wisdom, much more, much more reputable for, for the uh, the much more reputable Midwest King of the Ring. Uh, in the co-main event was a man named Sergeant Steve Fredericks, who was pretty badass for just being a Midwest Sar- dude who just beat the shit out of everybody. Sergeant Steve. I mean, he actually has some. I mean, he has one win over a UFC veteran. He beat Adrian Serrano. I was, I was tr- about to start trying to guess. I was going to be like, what weight is he? Was it Laverne Clark? I would have got to, I would have got to Adrian Serrano. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, in the main event, Dan Severn defeated Chad Raftel. <laughs> and this was I mean, in a, fights, it been a the fight finder has it incorrect. It says it was in Iowa. It was actually in Owatonna, Minnesota at a bar called the jungle. Dude. Can I just say, I found a news story, July 14th, 2004, Severn, Raftel, agreed to meet in Ultimate Fighting. Oh, God. From, does, it, does it give you a venue? Uh, well, it's from the Owatonna's People's Press. There it is, see? Proof. Five Finders got it wrong. And Chad Raftel's from Owatonna. You know who else is from Owatonna? No. Owl City. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Owatonna is known as Owl City. Every everything makes so much. Oh, I mean, I guess I should have got that from the Chuck Klosterman thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I could have fought on the same card as uh, Dan Wait, Severn. No, By the way, three three minute yeah, rounds Lose- with pride rules hang, in a ring. Hang on, before before Stone cracks me, Chuck Klosterman's novel was called Downtown Owl. I was thinking it was also called Owl City. It was a reference. I thought it was too. Well, maybe it is a reference. I've never actually read Downtown Owl. But I just wanted to uh, crack myself in case. Yeah. Well, anyway, there you what go. Were you saying about the, the fine people of Owatonna? I don't remember. They're in Minnesota. 
So uh, an esteemed fighter in mixed martial arts is set to compete at the jungle July 31st. Yeah, the, I assume the jungle's the bar. Yeah, Dan Severn had fought there like several times before this, well, by he, the way. He's the beast, and the American Fighting Association will host an event called The Beast versus The Warrior. Dan the Beast Severn will face Owatonna's Chad, The Warrior, Raftel. Anything in there about TJ DeSantis making his pro debut? Uh, no, we got some conversation to Joe Mullenbach, who apparently was coming off four straight knockouts, including an IFA record knockout of only eight seconds. And this was in the paper? Yeah, the Owatonna People's Press. I'll send you the link right now. That's look at it. crazy. Um, there you go. Feast your eyes. Wow. Steve Fredericks gets mentioned. Mankato's Steve Fredericks. That's great. That. I mean, it says he's a veteran of many mixed martial arts fights, but it doesn't say he's an actual veteran, so why is he a sergeant? I just love how it says, meet in ultimate fighting. In a feature bout, Greta Hicks of Milwaukee, Wisconsin will be fighting Jenny Randall of Waterloo, Iowa. That didn't happen. No kidding. Um, Kelly Cobalt fought Greta Hicks on Hook and Shoot Show. And that's timely, because Kelly Cobalt's making a comeback. She is. Um, I, uh, I need to go back in the archives. Granted, he's no longer with us, so I feel like I shouldn't, you know, rip on the dead. But when people talk about athletic commissions, and athletic commissions have been brought into light recently, and they all go through ebbs and flows and change and hopefully get better. Do you remember the interview that I did with the executive director of the Minnesota State Athletic Commission, Mr. Scott Ooh. Ledoux? I, uh, who told I me that he was in touch with UFC's Minnesota division? <laughs> uh, I, I, we've had conversations about Scott Ledoux, so you must have told me this before. There's no way we would have, we would have had a conversation with Scott Ledoux and you would have not told me this. I don't remember what like the issue was, but I, I think it had something to do with like the state of Minnesota trying to claim what Hawaii would claim. If they did a pay-per-view there, being we, uh, you have to pay us X amount. Of, like, basically, they want pay-per-view points. And I think that's what it was. And I was like, the UFC is not going to give the Minnesota State Athletic Commission, you know, X amount of dollars for every pay-per-view buy. And he said, no, I've talked to UFC Minnesota about this. Can I, and, and I want to say this with all seriousness and, and with legitimate gravity, and because I think it's something that, like, dude, like, not I don't want to turn this like into politics, even though it it is inherently political because we're talking about the athletic commission here, or co a combative sports commission in this case. But you know, recently a lot of people who've done like serious research, compared speech patterns and and video, and really done research and and have legitimate academic backgrounds, have suggested that Donald Trump may have dementia, and early onset Alzheimer's which his father ended up struggling with later in his life. He's in his 70s. This is not absurd. TJ, Scott Ledoux died in 2011. Yeah, and he, I was doing this interview within five years of that, probably 2007, 2008. He was named, he was named uh, head of the Combat Sports Commission in 2006, so it would have been shortly after that. Uh, that's five years about until his death, just, uh, just about. Uh, do you really think he wasn't experiencing symptoms at that point in time? This man had CTE and was suffering from dementia when he died. Oh, I mean, not to be mean or say that he had it for even longer than that, because I'm not a doctor, but the Laps fan recently did the life and death tour of the 
AWA in one. Yeah, I was going to say, you may want to explain Scott Ledoux in this case, given his background. It's not your average uh, suit and tie guy. Yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, he was on Super Clash, the first Super Clash, I think. No, no, it was, uh, uh, what was that? The stupid rock, the rock. Wrestle Rock. Wrestle Rock route. Yeah, Wrestle Rock. Uh, And uh, he's like trying to cut a promo on Zabisco. It's not good. It's not good. And yeah, he was he was a career boxer. You know, he fought Frank Bruno and Jerry Katsia and Greg Page and Larry Holmes. Yeah, he fought for the world championship. Like this like he was a legitimate boxer. And you know. And just like every Minnesotan based sports thing, lost the championship. Never won anything. Miss you, Jason Litzow. Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota North Stars. Vern Gagne was the champion forever, though. Well, you got me there, Breen. <laughs> You're welcome. Just trying to reinstall a little Minnesotan pride in you. Well, he's also the king of game and steaks and chops. Been in the game how many years, TJ? 30 years, born and raised in Minnesota. Goddamn right. You goddamn right. Excuse me for costing you Jesus. Been doing it my whole life. And, uh, you know, Minnesota, born and raised. And, uh, you know, happy to happy to be here. It's Wednesday, so I assume there's some TLF drop and we can get to plugs and all that jazz. Can I hear that ramp, TJ DeSantis? Uh-uh. No? Not you can't. We got a new system not. in here, and that's why we had some dead air at the top. I don't have the spank bank in here because my computer took a crap. We had to reinstall everything. Well, you're going to have to do it with your mouth then. Bam, bam. Ba-dum, bam, bam. Education. Bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Regulation. Oh, my God. Is that throw culture? Can you do the Carmen San Diego theme, too? That's what they were called, right? Throw culture? No, nah, was, that was Rockapella. Rockapella. What's throw culture? I don't know. But What do they do? Hey, Ollie, come here. Grab that microphone. Jordan wants to hear us sing Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. You ready? Doo-bop. Chick-chick-day, doo-bop. Chick chick day do bop, chick chick day do bop bow. That's bop, dude. Well, she sneaks around the world. Well, the kids to line up. She's the sticky fingered. Sure. Bro, you almost fell down. From Berlin down to Belize. To take you for a ride on a slow boat to China. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego. She goes from Nashville to Norway. Juice. Zimbabwe. It's actually the UFC's touring schedule. Zimba. <laughs> to Czechoslovakia. And back. Yeah. Doobop. There you go. That was adorable. I know. There is, there is, there is a band called Throat Culture, but I don't think it's what. No, no, maybe it is. There's yeah. definitely yeah, an acapella band. Yeah, they're hey. from Columbus. Hey, do you want do you want to hear an original song by both Oliver and I? It's really good, oh, I promise. Okay, but I just want to point out, I don't want to be yelled at in five minutes because you tell me like there's like someone else coming no in. No one's the coming in. No one's coming in. No one's coming Great. in. Great. Um all right, you want you wanna sing the loofah song, Ollie? Okay. Put soap on the loofah. Squeeze it around. <laughs> we wash our bellies and our legs too. Getting clean is what you gotta do. There you go. So you guys just like, do you guys just like jingle out of mundane tasks? Because I very much appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been the bath song since he was about uh, a year old. Well, 
It was certainly well-practiced, and it showed. You put soap on that loofah, and you get that loofah wet. You'll squeeze it around, and you see what you get. We wash our bellies and our legs, too, because getting clean is what you've got to do. It's what you got to do. See, one day when this is a Minnesota folk song and everyone teaches it to their children, no one will have to suffer with Dave Monet. Right, see? You put soap on that loofah there, and you get the ringworm out. <laughs> you squeeze it around and you'll never get the gout. All right. It is time to get out of here. But since uh, for some spank bang father, TJ, do you have a Sean Nolan classic just to prove? Oh, yes. That, to, to prove that TJ. Yes. Uh, to prove that TJ did not need to fight for me to consider him one and oh. Yes. And for you to recognize it, too. Know that this is the man he was going to fight. So, TJ, you can go with a win or loss if you want. I feel like even if you choose Sean Nolan's all-time greatest performance, it will be abundantly clear to people why uh, you and your physical prime would have probably trashed this man and forced him to tap the strikes. All right, spoiler alert. Uh, Sean Nolan fought Ron Thornburg. It's on YouTube. The fight, I have no idea how long it is, but Nolan shoots in for a takedown. Ends up in Mount, but Ron Thornburg has him in this very strange... Oh, wait, no, this is a win. This is a win. Uh, Ron, Ron <laughs> Thornburg takes down Sean Nolan and and has him in like a headlock, but, but Thornburg is in Mount, and Nolan just squeezes forever, squeezes forever, and then finally Thornburg breaks. He's on top. He's ready to pound him out, but just decides, screw it, and taps out. That's one of Sean Nolan's six wins. I would like to point out that that both Sean Nolan versus Ron Thornburg and Sean Nolan versus Ron Thornburg the rematch. Oh yes, are both on YouTube. I will post them both forthwith. And combined, they come to uh, four seconds less. Four minutes and seventeen seconds is all you need to invest. And Thornburg taps out one time due to exhaustion. <laughs> I assume that's the first one, maybe. I don't know. I just. I know that my coach, Mike Riley, said, this is perfect. This is who you're going to fight. And I was like, dude, wait, wait, this, fight? Dude, this Ron Thornburg guy is like half his size. Yeah. <sighs> oh, I mean, All keep right. in mind, keep in mind, dude, I would have weighed probably 190 pounds when I would have fought Sean Nolan. Well, speaking on a, on a weekend where we're going to get the biggest rematch in MMA history, a real rivalry. We'll integrate it with our favorite pink producer, TJ DeSantis, and see the man that he would have clobbered, Sean Nolan, way back when. Sean Nolan versus Ron Thornburg, the rivalry. About to be posted to my Twitter. It's time for me to get out of here. As always, your love letters, credit card numbers, mail bombs. Go to jbreen at suredog.com, the shorter, sweeter variety. Over on Twitter, at Jordan Breen, J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-E-N. TJ DeSantis, tell people what they have to look forward to on the SRN. we got a roundtable coming up for UFC 214. That will drop on Thursday. Friday, there will be a beatdown. Myself, along with uh, Eddie Bravo, as we get ready for the Eddie Bravo Invitational, uh, which will stream live on UFC Fight Pass and UFC.tv should you not be a Fight Pass subscriber. Uh, also, if for whatever reason you want to watch more MMA while you're already watching UFC 214, you can check me out live from Tijuana, Mexico on YouTube uh, for the Brave Combat Federation. So uh, do that. Do all of that. And uh, yeah, I'll be back on uh, Monday for Beatdown. Yes. Do all of those things. Listen to the roundtable. And even if that doesn't suit your fancy, I'll be back next Wednesday right back here with the Jordan Breen Show on the Sure Dog Radio Network. Peace.
The preceding show is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of the SureDog Radio Network. Its content is intended for private use only. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.